either you kind of like Tron or you don't. Right. So I think a lot of people are like, all right, well, that was all right. But I think it, it kind of like they came down from the emotional high of Mary Poppins. So I guess... <laughs> everybody welcome to the dbc pod with the week in the review of may 2nd 2020 i'm jason dodge uh you can find me on twitter at jdodge80 and i'm phil Schoen, aka the max rebo find me on twitter at the max rebo iv and uh we've got a little bit of a different format we've got a couple four episodes in the bag we've kind of changed a couple things the way we're recording uh so phil why don't you tell them you know what we're doing here yeah, so the, the idea now behind the DVC podcast is really to scour the Disney internet communities, uh, whether it's different message boards, Twitter, Facebook, all those sorts of things. Find out what what's people are talking about, what's the, what's the chatter going, and uh, the idea is really if we see something that interests us, rather than hitting the reply button there, we talk about it here. And uh, a couple things that we're, we're doing differently, um, you know, prior we weren't really going over the news. We're going to have like a quick news section about basically bullet points of what happened this week, maybe so we can record history, so to speak. Uh, anything that stands out, we're going to throw some comments about all the news at once. And then we're going to go into our topic discussions that we found. So when Phil says we're scouring the Internet with the Disney community, we're talking um, Twitter, different social media platforms, message boards that are out there, anything that has to do with Disney and people are uh, ordinary people like you and me are watching and participating. We're going to talk about that. So that being said, topics of the day, news at the top. We're going to talk about a report about the original plans for Star Wars in the parks. Uh, Disney Plus launched a new show called Prop Culture. Um, another article that uh, or discussion that came out was what will you appreciate more after the pandemic uh, topic of, uh, of the day I saw on Twitter was where do you listen to park music and uh, the easiest place uh, and most reasonable price for uh, to stay at Disney World in a, with a large family so we're going to talk about that all that today um, but first off the news uh, here's a couple things, and then Phil, I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell me what yep. you think. Uh, DHS turns 31, Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, performers around, uh, announced that Disney Family Sing Along Volume 2 is going to be on Mother's Day, which is next weekend. Reminder for everybody out there, just in case. Uh, Disney sent a cancellation notice for Villains After Hours for July 6th, and uh, somebody was caught on Discovery Island again. So we're going to talk about that. So, Phil, anything that stands out to you that you want to kind of comment on Disney? News? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me is obviously not much of a celebration for Disney Hollywood Studios. Usually they have, you know, special photo ops or something like that. But I did appreciate that video went around where Josh Damaro, the president of Walt Disney World, was there. And he commented about how it was weird to be in the park with uh, no music. So he had the uh, the technician turn on the music for, for Hollywood Studios just for a little bit. And it was kind of neat to, to hear it again and realize how much, I think, the background music at the parks, how, how big a difference that makes. So I thought that was, that was kind of neat to see. And that's going to be a little bit of a theme of the show today. We'll talk about that more uh, later. Um, I like the sing-along. Did you catch the sing-along, the first we one? We did. I, we didn't watch it live. I recorded it. Same here. We watched it the next day. Um, and actually, I, I liked it more than I thought it would. I, I didn't know if it would be a little goofy or a little silly, but I think it was fun. And I think it's the, the type of thing that was just kind of lighthearted and kind of fun to do with the whole family you know when there's you know a lot of serious stuff going on in the world so yeah I, we, we liked it too in this household that we, we recorded it as well and uh, i thought it was uh over too soon i was expecting more and it was like already done i'm like oh that's too bad so i'm glad they're doing another one uh cancellation notice for villain after hours through july 6th um did, did you do villains when you went earlier this year i don't know no, i haven't done the villains one no yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about it in the, the – um, we were going to have a night with my canceled vacation um, a month ago. 
that um, doesn't surprise me with what what they're doing. We don't even know how they're really going to open up. I mean, we're going to find yeah. out then. So um, that's kind of something that um, I think most people are probably expecting anyway. And then finally, man discover, uh, caught on Discovery Island. My wife didn't even know what Discovery Island was, so <laughs> we watched like a 10-minute documentary put, put together by a bunch of teenagers or 20-somethings that was on YouTube. And uh, just kind of showing some of that classic footage of when somebody that was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, snuck on and kind of recorded it and put it on YouTube. Um, what are people doing on Discovery Island? Like, why would you go on there? Is it just like... Well, I, back in the I day... Yeah, well, now? Or now, yeah. Then? Like, why are you going now? Now? I, now I think it's just to get to some place that's closed and, and it's, it's cool to get into some place that's cold, I guess, closed, I guess. Um, not sure why this particular man was there. I mean, uh, probably <laughs> no. probably some jokes about him, you know, being extreme social distancing or something. I, I guess, right? You know, oh, I accidentally, it's, you know, I accidentally showed up. You know, yeah. free campy grab. Uh, okay, so when, when you kick out into our first topic, we're going to close the news out right now. Uh, original plans for the Star Wars at, at the parks. Yeah, so this was a topic I saw touched on a lot of places, and it really got people talking about it and kind of thinking, would this this plan work out better than what actually got built in the parks, both at, at Hollywood Studios and, and over at Disneyland. But on uh, on WDW Radio, uh, they had an interview with the former uh, VP of Walt Disney World, Dan Cockrell, and he talked about sort of the original plans for the parks. And, and the bulk of it was, was that it was to be based on the original trilogy rather than the new ones. Um, it was going to feature Tatooine and Endor. But uh, I think one of the biggest things is rather than where it went now, where it took over lights, motors, action, and the back, uh, the, the the tram tour and stuff like that, it was going to be located in take over Echo Park. So Echo Park would have been gone, where you know Gertie the dinosaur is and stuff like that, and the Indiana Jones uh, Jones stunt show would have, would have been gone. Um, so it basically would have taken over right where uh, Star Tours is. So that would have fit in with Star Tours. So it obviously makes sense. Um, I love that area of the park, so it would have been a little sad to see it go. But in some ways, I think that made more sense. Than what they did. I think it would have been if they used that space. I think it would have been yeah. better. I think. I mean, I, I, as much as Echo Lake is nice, and it, every time I go, I find I find that I like it a little more and more. But it to me, it is like a kind of almost like a wasted space to me. I know what they're going for originally yeah. on that, but you got a big giant lake, and then the buildings that are around it aren't really special, right? It's not like you're demolishing, you know, Adventureland or something else else like that. I, I know. I know. There were other people on the internet that were saying, um, "Oh, I would never want you wanted to go, and I don't like replacing it." You just you just said that you'd be sad to see it go. Like, you know, yeah. what do you like? Well, what it's there now. I think it's just it's it's scenic. It's a little quiet. It's um, I love the details in the stores kind of around it, mm -hmm. and you know, obviously I love the tribute to Gertie the dinosaur, the first you know real piece of animation ever created. So it's wonderful that that's there. So like I said, I'd be sad to see it go. If it was an amazing Star Wars land that I loved, I would uh, be willing to make the sacrifice, but it would have been a little sad to see that go. But on the flip side, I know a lot of people are sad that the streets of New York left because there was the Osborne lights there. So theoretically, could they have kept that? If yeah, they maybe. Didn't take over that area. So it might have been a good trade-off. But. but I think it would have been awkward, though, to just drop like a Star Wars land like right there. Yeah. You know, because it's, like, right off the entrance. There's really no way to kind of, like, segue into the land. It's just, like, there, right? Yeah. I mean, especially on the, I guess, what is it, the, the west side of the park by the by the Chinese theater. It's, like, it just, you know, you go through the frozen sing-along, and it's, like, you're there, right? Yeah. And, like, how do you transition to a, a well-made land that way? I don't think it would have actually fit. Um, as much as I like that, would like the park to 
you know, open up a little bit more, um, I don't think it would have been a, a good idea to actually do it. It might have been cool, depending on what they were thinking about it. So, what, what do you what do you take about some of these some of these notes that you wrote down on this? That I know it was really Bob Iger that pushed for the connection to the new trilogy. Well, uh, it, let's, let's it, take it that point first. Yeah, I don't. It wasn't clear if it was Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy or both of them. It seemed like Kathleen Kennedy after a conversation with Bob. So I don't know who was pushing for it. Um, but she came back to the, the development team and basically said, in her words, there are, are more, there are way more Disney Star Wars stories ahead of us than behind us. And so that we should think about that. Do we really want to focus on the past where it's really catering to, say, the 50-something-year-old Star Wars fans, or do we want to build uh, something that appeals to the, the future generations? Now, uh, what are people saying about this line of thinking Based off of this interview, because I know what they're saying based in Star Wars Galaxy Edge in yeah. general, but were there any changing opinions based on this? From uh, it still feels like a lot of people that don't like the fact that it wasn't built on the, the, the original trilogies, that, that for them, that's Star Wars. That they Knowing that the original plan was for that almost makes them more, you know, I guess, adamant in their view. Sure. That this is what it should have been. Um, I did hear like one rumor, I don't know how substantiated it was, but was the idea that there would have been a third section of it that would have gone where the cast member parking lot is, and that would have been a new land, whether it was exactly Batu or something else. But so sort of the idea that you'd have the, the old, and then you could have taken um, uh, Star Tours as a way to get to the new land, and then mm -hmm. there would have been new stuff there. So if they could have kind of combined it, I don't know how practical it would have all worked and if you have blending of time periods and stuff like that, but if there was a way to get sort of those classic Star Wars stuff that people love from the original trilogy and new stuff, you know, that might have been the best of both worlds. But Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, my personal opinion, so if I'm on a message board right now and I start slamming at my keys because I absolutely, I mean, as much as I love the new Star Wars movies, I absolutely hate them also based on a lot of different reasons. Maybe we can have a Star Wars podcast where we talk about this for months on end. <laughs> but Star Wars is not really about locales. It's about characters and, and props, like the X-Wing, yeah. the Star Destroyer, the Death Star, you know, um, droids. So those things certainly don't lend themselves to creating a land very easily. Like, yeah. Tatooine would be cool, but what are you going to do? It's going to be, it's one hut and a lot of sand. That's part of, like, the one show. Well, it's the cantina, but that's, I mean, that's really what people want, right? Right. I mean, you could build a cantina anywhere. Like, if you're not going into that exact cantina, you could still build a bar with a bunch of aliens and people would be... Which is what they did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just play the music and there you go. Because, again, part of Star Wars is the music as well. And then, um, so you, even if you build Endor, it's a lot of trees. And maybe you see some tree houses with some Ewoks on it. And maybe, you know, they already have some of the AT uh, uh, walkers in... Which one is it in, in right by Star Tours? They already have one, uh, one of those sitting yeah. there. They have it in Rise now, too. But again, what, what would I really wanted to see in a Star Wars land when, when, you, when you just ask me? I, I probably have to sit there for days upon end just thinking about what would be perfect. And it's kind of hard to build, I think, a Star Wars land on the ground somewhere that's you know kind of a combination of all those things. So, I, I, I fully know. agree with that. I think it's about the people, and if you're only making a land, it's really hard. Now, if you're doing a whole theme park and you can have eight different lands, sure. Um, but when you're just doing a land, now I guess if it's based on the original trilogy, then you could have had original tril trilogy characters um, and, and attractions based on that. But yeah, 
I, I, I could see both ways go both ways. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that, you know, the people are going to go back and forth of this, I mean, mostly because it is Star Wars, and there's so many passionate Star Wars fans out there that think their opinion is the only right one. Um, I, I, on the other hand, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, yeah. I just think it was probably a mistake to put how many billions of dollars in the development of these lands based off an unproven trilogy that also met with, like, you know, panned by some critics and, and stuff like that. So I, I'm surprised they didn't go with a safe bet with, like, a Tatooine or an Endor. Yeah, I definitely think with what they did was the gutsier pick, right? It's the newer stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a land that didn't even exist, right? They're making a new, like, it's definitely not, wasn't the safe choice, like you said. So give them credit for that, and I think they did a, a good job with it, but I guess we'll see. That's the, If you're a listener of, um, I, I think I've mentioned their podcast like almost every other episode, but uh, with Len Testa and Jim Hill, they were talking about the decisions of like you know, Galaxy's Edge and that type of stuff, and this yeah. was maybe a podcast about a month or two ago. Um, you know, they took a bold step developing something that had zero connection with Star Wars lore, and they tried to force something in there. So it'll probably pay off at the end, ultimately, as it, as it seasons and they, and they kind of get to work. I think that's the, that's the big thing, and I think that was what at least Kathleen Kennedy was trying to say was, you know, we're not building it for now. We're building it yeah. to be here for the next 30 years, and let's see what happens then. So uh, going along those lines, the next topic is a new show on the Disney on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the debut of Prop Culture, another another movie topic here. Um, I've only seen the trailer, so I was going to start watching it sometime this week. And but you've seen the first couple episodes, so so first of all, what do you think, and what are other people thinking about it? Yeah. So the the reason I I, I suggested we we touch on this was because I've seen a lot of people really into it, especially on Twitter. People basically watching it and saying how how much they love it, and how especially during the first first episode they were tearing up during it. So I've seen the first two episodes. Um, the first one was the one that I think really got people. It was uh, entirely focused on Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And Which so, we watched last night, by the way. Oh, there you go. So, um, And and really, the, the plot of the, the show is each show is focusing on a different movie. And there's a, a an avid collector who has some connection to the, the Disney group and stuff like that. He's helped them actually find some of these pieces of memorabilia to, to store there. Um and he goes around and, and he has backstories on these pieces, says, you know, how do you find them? They show up in auction. And then kind of the touching points is when they bring either fans or the actors that were in these movies and brings them the props. Mm. So they had, you know, the, the woman who played Jane in, in Mary Poppins and brought the, the, the hat that she wore and the coat that she wore. And, and he brought it to her at the um, carousel at Griffith Park. And she was basically just breaking down in tears, saying, I haven't seen this in 30 years wow. and all that sort of thing. So I think it's it's kind of emotional for people who have that emotional connection to these movies. Um, it, it's it's pretty neat to see. And um, it's kind of interesting to look back. You know, back then, they didn't really think about saving these things. It was, uh, you know, it was just done to make the movie and then they moved on. So amazing, right? Things. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it kind of made sense. But looking back on it, you mean, like, what do you mean? Like, nobody knows, like, for example, not to spoil it too much, but. Nobody knows what happened to Mary Poppins' um, umbrella with the parrot head. Right. Like literally, they can't find it. Like, like nowadays, you know, Yeah, but nowadays, you know, anything that could be remotely re- important for any Disney. Everybody movie saves everything. Like, yeah. Well, I, I'm stoked about because I always love the behind the scenes thing, and I was kind of disappointed. I've watched on and off some of those uh, Imagineer behind the scene like yeah. web shorts or whatever you want. They're yep. like two or three minutes long. And I was like, this needs to be like an hour long type of thing. Yeah. People are... It's like they're just getting good and then it, it ends. It ends. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I almost don't watch all of them because I know I'm just going to be disappointed with a lot of that. So that's why I love shows like this because it's behind the scenes. You get a little bit of history. You get a little bit of like, you know, 
non-drama drama, just drama because yeah. it's emotional, it's memories and that type of thing. Um, and then I think I think this is the type of show that Disney should be putting out more and more on their, their platform. I mean, everybody's got original content, but in form of like TV shows and cartoons and movies, it's all great and you need that for sure. But I think this is an excellent place to, to put things like the Imagineering or now prop culture, that type of exactly. thing. So, um, anything? Anybody on Twitter that you've seen not like this show or disappointed with it? Um, the only thing I've seen, it seems like they definitely led with the big one, you know, with Mary Poppins. You know, the next one, which we watched, which was kind of neat, was on Tron, mm-hmm. which either you kind of like Tron or you don't. Right. So I think a lot of people are like, all right, well, that was all right. But I think it, it kind of like they came down from the emotional high of Mary Poppins. So I guess <laughs> the, the big question is probably, you know, is it going to, is anything going to match that? Do they have like an episode list somewhere or? Uh, I'm sure they do. They've, they've dropped four of them so far. Um, but I'm not sure how many they do or, or if they're still kind of in the process of, of making them all. So but... this, is, this is production uh, pre-show production going live right now as, as we try to find the list and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think it's a good addition. I'm, I'm certainly going to start watching it either tonight or tomorrow um, once all the kids go to bed because the kids haven't seen any of these movies except for maybe Mary Poppins, but I don't think they'll really care that Mary Poppins' bag is there and all the emotional ties to that just yet. Right. Maybe, maybe, exactly. in 20, maybe in 20 years. Um, and another topic we found on the Disboards is um, something that has to do with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, you know, if you listen to any of our earlier shows, we really try to stay away from some of the unhappy moments that are going on right now and keep everybody positive and thinking about better times. But this is kind of something uh, better. So, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, as many people's um, vacations have been canceled and now you're thinking about your next one or whether or not you're going to go later this year, I know a lot of people are worried about going down even in August, September, November. Are they going to be able to go down carefree? Are they going to be constantly worried about what's going on? So the question was, you know, what will you appreciate more about Walt Disney World after the pandemic? And the, the original poster of the thread said, I love Walt Disney World, and so much I always can't wait to experience everything it has to offer. Um, I'm the dad that drives the rest of the family to walk quickly from one attraction to the next to maximize time. Sounds like maybe like myself a little bit. Uh, now that our world has changed, he's going to slow down and smell the flowers and enjoy all the details and beauty of Walt Disney World has to offer. And he says he looks forward to most sitting in front of Liberty Square and Frontierland on a bench and in a rocking chair and just listening to the music. There's another mm-hmm. key aspect of something that's going to be a theme this this show. Enjoying the small details and watching the happy people walking by. So before we go into a couple uh, things that other people have said, um, what, what do you think about this topic? And, you know, yeah. I even before I read this, I was thinking about, like, gosh, when I get to go and I don't have to worry about all the stuff that's going on, these are the really the awesome things I want to do. So I'll let you go first. So I think it, it probably did hit me. Like you said, music is a theme. But when, uh, as I mentioned, when, when they turned on the music in DHS, I think that kind of hit me just how important the music is mm-hmm. to the parks. And just being there and being surrounded by it, um, so I think that's 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 the first thing that jumps to my mind. Um, well, let's second, let's, let's stop know. there with the music, okay? Because yeah. he talked about the background music. The next post or a couple posts down, whereas background music. So the other person said background music, beautiful landscaping, theme decoration, spectacular view, views, basically the ambiance. And yeah. I agree with you on the music because I was thinking about this when I read the DHS story. 
when uh, I was started thinking about this. Um, even yesterday, uh, the family and I just took a drive because we were doing some curbside pickup of some stuff, and I had um, you know something that we're going to talk about in our next topic about listening to park music. We put it on, and it's just we listened to a five minute uh, the five minute uh, monorail loop of just like getting mm-hmm. on and off, and it was just it was pretty neat. So I, I think the music, as we're talking about in Star Wars. That music ties your brain to certain points and nostalgia and you know, all that, all the science stuff about how memories are created, that type of thing. And I'm thinking back to my in my head about the music that I listen to when I'm there and just kind of standing in the middle of Main Street and just listening. Yeah, and I think it's important. Yeah, I think the music and, and even all the noises, right, and all the kind of kinetic energy that goes on in the parks, whether it's seeing some rides in the background or like the street atmosphere of the, the trolley going by and stuff like that. I think the, you know, the, you, you see it all even going into Pandora, how the like the la- the noises change, you start hearing the animals and stuff like that. I think that really, really immerses you and takes you away from the outside world. It's not just things you see, it's really envelops you in the noise. So I think that's probably the number one thing. And I think that kind of ties into what I think and I'm, what I'm hopeful we'll be able to do when we first get back and it's not too like modified or whatever. Um, but just that ability to sort of shut out the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of have a, a theme or a theory about, you know, leaving things outside the berm. That's right. um, yep. and, we, and when you're inside it, it's, it's, you can kind of forget all about that stuff. And, and that might be the number one thing. It's the Disney I mean, bubble, probably, man. Yeah. It's Disney like the bubble. You kind of have to go with it, but, uh, but when you're in there, you can kind of forget about a lot of, you know, whether it's, you know, your boss or your bills or whatever. Yeah. You know, for well, a little I mean, bit. I can't, I can't go to Disney World if I'm thinking, all right, I have to wash my hands. I have to stay five yeah. feet away. From, I mean, like the people that are going to go right away, even with all the modified experience, maybe maybe our world is going to be changed dramatically. I mean, yeah. it is going to be changed dramatically. Yeah. Maybe Walt Disney World will be changed dramatically, and we have to adapt to that. But we want to be, when we go there, we want to feel safe and reassured and forget about things. Whether the things that we have to, you know, we have to constantly wear a mask, that's fine. But if that's normal, that's normal. But we'll know it's normal when we go there type of thing. Exactly. And when we go to the parks, it's like, if I touch this water fountain, can my kids touch it? Or can we go to a buffet? Or can we, these snacks, like, did somebody sneeze on one of these things walking by? Like, all those, you can't, I mean... Right now, I got I get packages coming into my house that I order, and I'm wiping them down, or I keep them in quarantine. I'm like, I don't want to think about that stuff when you go to yeah. Disney World. So I think that's the key thing, you know. Other two poster uh, po- uh, posters put other things that people are saying, taking a load off on the people mover. I think you and I are like thumbs up on that one. I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's classic, right? I think anybody that's a Walt Disney World veteran knows that the people mover is essential probably around like one or two o'clock in the afternoon uh, on a long day like okay can we go around again and the guy lets you go around again and again that's always great and then the last person was saying like you know shopping at the emporium on main street also i think that's important but that's all like that's just all normal stuff yeah and that's i have seen a lot of either memes or just people commenting on, on on social media about how you know as soon as the Parks are open and they can go in. There was a picture of you know somebody loaded down with a shopping cart with like 500 Disney shopping bags on it or whatever. You know that they're going to go nuts, kind of buying everything. <laughs> well, I mean, you could go buy it now. You yeah. go to shop Disney online. Yeah, but it's not the same, as, right? As when you're in the park. I don't know. Everything's just a little, a little different. When you're in well, the park. here here's a side thing. Um, you typically, if I remember correctly, you typically when you go down, you stay um, off property, right? For the most uh, part. Either or, um, we split it, but yeah, probably more often than not off property. 
I, I just, my last trip, I just started taking advantage of buying stuff and having it sent back to your resort. So you don't even need shopping bags. <laughs> so I just started using that for the first time. That's the only reason, carrying shopping bags around that kind of, so yeah, I used to do that. That sucked. <laughs> you know, I get it all sent back. But I think I, I think we have to go back to what am I going to miss most? What do I, I mean, forget about the the COVID-19, the pandemic. What what I miss the most now when I think about my next trip. So what was I thinking about last November when I knew I had a trip coming up at the end of March, beginning of April? And um, because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go back so quickly from that, it's actually the stopping and smelling the roses. I couldn't wait to sit uh, in the southern part of the hub near Casey's and just take in the smells, the sights, and just listen to the music. That's the only thing I wanted to get back to because I, I love that. And um, I, I think I'm going to end up listening to, and I'm going to go to our next topic, is listening to park music at home because we're all talking about how, what do we do at home, what do we do uh, you know, to keep that Disney magic at home. And this could be a topic of what do you do a week after you get back from your vacation? What do you do when you don't know when your next vacation is going to be in good times or in bad? Um, and I came across um, this one Twitter account, and I'm going to click on it because I don't have their full name. It's, uh, I believe it was Sorcerer Radio on Twitter. And they yep. just have a, um, a service where they just loop um, music from different resorts, different uh, parts of the, the parks, and you just get to listen to them. And I know WDW Radio is another app that they have on that that does a similar type of thing. So you can pick your favorite. Um, I listen to both just um, for no good reason why I'm picking one or the other. Um, what do you think? Do you, do you listen to this when, you, when you're work? I, I find I listen to this when I'm working as background music more than anything else. I do sometimes, yeah. So we have uh, we do it at, you know, if I'm doing chores or something at home, we have the app, I think, on our smart TV for Sorcerer Radio. Um, I do listen sometimes with whether I'm home or even back, you know, when I could go into the office, if I had some downtime, I would listen to it. I, usually I would just often just use uh, YouTube and search for something. I think my most common thing is the Epcot entrance music loop. That's your favorite. Usually, that's So I put that on quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely do that. And we also listen to, to um, music from the, the, the attractions. We have that on our playlist, whether it's around the house or when we uh, – drive down to Walt Disney World that's always on the playlist, some of the classic music, um, mm -hmm. whether it's the Soren music or we, it doesn't, it's not even in the parks anymore, but we have Listen to the Land is on our, our playlist and stuff like that. So yeah, like we've talked about it now, you know, list, that connection you have to the parks through the, the, the music. And I think it's something that, you know, we can listen to with our kids and they can get into it. I mean, they all sing along. They don't, they've never, you know, they're too young to have experienced Listen to the Land in the parks, but they know all the words to the song and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely something, you know, it's probably something we, we don't think about doing enough. Um, it's kind of more where I think about it when I have chores and maybe mm -hmm. I'm at a podcast or something like that to listen to, um, I'll throw it on, but it's probably something where, you know, if everyone's even all just a little riled up and we need to kind of maybe change the attitude. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. Well, one of our things that we do is when we sit around the Disney table, we always tell Alexa to play, uh, Disney favorites and it's usually just like, mm -hmm. you know, the different movie soundtracks and yeah. stuff like that. And then um, I always forget the name of it because it's Alexa never likes to find it. But you have um, it's like Walt Disney World theme park music, and it's basically the same kind of loops um, that you find on WDW Radio or uh, many Sorcerer's Radio or something like that, where they play like um, you know the the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack or anything else. But the that that soundtrack doesn't have just like the different parts 
uh, of the lands. Uh, like, for example, um, I love the adventure land music that you just listen mm -hmm. to as you go through. Or as, as much as I dislike Tomorrowland the most out of all four lands, I still love the music, right? This oh, kind absolutely. of space music, whatever, that's always kind of neat uh, or awesome. And um, we had it, We like I, I mentioned before, we had it in the car going going and we were listening to the monorail loop and I thought I was like why am I listening to this for five minutes but then I listened to it for five minutes I didn't complain until it was like something <laughs> broken or there's probably yeah. not switching to the next track type type of thing so the I think my theory is other other than it reminds us of good times it reminds us of Disney and we like it and it's cool just like anything else those sounds trigger memories and nostalgia I think which makes it yeah. the best especially when like the simplest things like if you stayed enough at a, a certain resort, you know the music there, and it just it, even if it's like you, somebody else that's never heard it, like what are you listening to? You, but like you could tell a million stories based off of that and, and stuff like that. So I, I think that's that's a little neat. Um, let's move on to our uh, next topic. Let's talk okay. about um, easiest places for, to stay with a large family at Walt Disney World. Now you and I both have large families. Um, We've got we we typically when we go down if if I'm not bringing any any one of my extended family, we've got to get a room for five. So there was a thread on the disboards talking about um, next time when they go down, and I believe it was for seven people or no, excuse me, six people I believe, um, and five kids. I should probably just read it. I'm thinking about a trip coming this fall. Last time we were at Disney, our now 12-year-old was two. Since We've since added two kids for a total of five kids, which knocks us out of all the cheaper rooms. So we have a 17, a 14, a 12, as well as a two and a three-year-old, and I'm assuming two parents uh, on top of that. So you've got five kids, two adults, so that's seven people. Uh, but really, you need a room for six because the two-year-old doesn't really count as a person yet at Walt Disney World. So... You have stayed both on and off property. Once you go ahead, because again, let's let's make a note for all of our listeners. Uh, Phil and I are huge planners, so we love kind of figuring out ways to make vacations work and what are the different options. So, Phil, I'll, I'll give you yeah. the microphone on this one first. Yeah, I definitely have the uh, spreadsheets going. Yeah, <laughs> where are the best options? So, so when it is just our our you know our nuclear family, it, it is myself, my wife, and, and three kids. So we don't fit in one value. The youngest is now five. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we did just have this through February. We were going through some different options. And what we, we opted to do was one of the moderates that slept five people. Um, that worked out well. It was definitely big enough. That's what um, we did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's north of you know, $300 a night or whatever. So it adds up. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely worked out. And it was convenient. You know, the oldest is only 11. So we can make do with one one bathroom. Um so, but I think as they get older, uh, we might be opting more towards the, the connecting rooms in the value resort because then you get the two bathrooms. I think that's kind of a key thing once they start getting a little bit older or if you have more than, obviously if you have more than five, you need to start thinking about a family suite or that. Now, the other option though that we do is sometimes we have extended family with us, mm -hmm. either my in-laws, sometimes my, my sister-in-law and you know her, her son come too. So then, then we usually head offsite because then we can get you get some much or, cheaper. Yeah, when you need that much room, you know, we can get a two to three bedroom condo with two to three bathrooms and kitchens and stuff like that for about a nightly rate of about what what a value is on property. Yeah, so obviously for sure. you, you do away with some of the benefits of staying on site. You know, you don't get the same access. You don't get sixty days for fast fest and stuff like that. But when uh, when we have nine people or whatever, it's yeah. just the cost 
uh, kind of skyrockets really fast. So those are those are kind of the two two ways we go. I think our, our, our next time we go, if it is just the five of us, I think we'll do the same thing again, staying on property in in in, in a room that fits five. But um, as they get older, we'll, we'll we'll think about the two moderates together. I think. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I see on the list that we haven't done, and if you've had more experience with it, I definitely would be interesting to hear it, is about um, renting DVC points. That's something I've thought about, but haven't really gone down that rabbit hole yet. So um, I'd be interested to hear more about that. Yeah. So my my own scenario, my last trip, was six people, but we had a two year old. Or excuse me, it was she was one and a half at the time. So it was uh, at August last year. Her birthday was in January. Um, and so basically, my mother came down. So we were a party of six, but five uh, plus a, a youngin. And the moderates, if you're thinking about it, if you could squeeze five people or even five plus a, an infant into that room, it works. Um, especially at that age, you're not spending a lot of time in the rooms anyway. Um, you're either at the pool or park regardless. Um, and they work. And we stayed at uh, Riverside, and those rooms were pretty awesome. We weren't cramped. The uh, luggage goes right underneath the beds. The bathroom itself was decent. Like, you can, there's door closes to the shower. Curtain goes over the bathroom, uh, the, the, ki- uh, the sink, I should say. So somebody could be taking a shower and have full privacy. Somebody could be doing their makeup or doing something else and draw the curtain and have more privacy that way. Um, so that really works. But once you start going above five, you really have to start looking at some options. And I, and I actually had a post on this thread, and, there, and this kind of rounded out what everybody else was saying on the different options because there's only so many different things you can do. I've never seen off property before. I've looked at the prices, and they're ridiculously cheap. But again, yes, you're staying off property. You're out of the bubble so to speak. So you got to add some money to that as far as if that, that's something that's worth it to you. But um, at, at six, you either have to do two value rooms at, at a resort. So if the type of resort you're staying at and those amenities mean something to you, that might be something that you don't want to do. Um, but if you don't care about the resort, you think they're all awesome, that's the cheapest way you're going to do um, six people. So that's up to eight, right? So it, it's five to eight people because each room probably, I think fits four, if, I'm, if I recall yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to do six, then there's the cabins at Fort Wilderness. Those rates are somewhere in the 350 to 550 range. 350 if you get a pretty good deal on like a seasonal kind of 25% off, 20% off, that type of thing. Uh, the tip, the typical rack rates were probably in the mid-400s, I think, for most times, unless you're going at a super busy time of the year. Um, I looked into doing that back in 2017, but we never pulled the trigger because um, there's a couple hidden fees on, on the cabins that I've done, I've done the math on. So regardless of where you are, you need to get on a bus to get to a bus stop to get on a bus to go to the parks, right? So there's a double bus leg, unless you go to the Magic Kingdom where you have to just take a bus to the docks and then a boat to the Magic Kingdom. Um, you have to rent a golf cart, which everybody does when they go down there. Now, a golf cart um, costs about anywhere between 70 to $120 a day. You can do it directly from Disney. You can have somebody bring it in for you. Disney, I think, is around 100 bucks a day. So add $100 immediately to your per night stay for your accommodation. So instead of spending 450 a night, you're spending 550 a night now. Now, if you have six or eight people in your party, or actually what the max capacity of a cabin is six people. So you have six people in your party. You have to either buy or rent two carts from Disney, unless you want to play, become a ferry person and just drive back <laughs> and forth for people. So that's another $100 a night. Or you can rent one of those really big carts that's so probably about 150 to $200 a night anyway to do that. So there's hidden costs at Fort Wilderness. And I know a lot of people love Fort Wilderness, so they're willing to spend the money, and good for you. So that those, those are the combinations that you think of. So then there's also, for the six-plus um, people, are the um, 
whatchamacallit, the Family Suites at Art of Animation that you can look at. I think they sleep six, I want to say. Um, and they, they're typically really expensive for a value resort. You're looking at mid-threes plus typically yeah. per night. Um, actually, no. Uh, I think it's a bit more because I think they're slightly more expensive than a, a fifth sleeper moderate. You can probably look at it. And the, 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 the numbers change dramatically. And who knows what the actual pricing structure is going to be once everything kind of hits back to normal again. And then what – and I'm going to get back. I saved the best for last week of the conversation. DVC points. Right? So now DVC is in a million different seasons now. It's just not four – it's six, I want to say now. So there's six different categories of, how, of when DVC goes down. So you need a certain amount of points. So I saw for a four-person room, because last time I did DVC was before I had um, uh, my third child. And to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge was rough for a week, was roughly around the $2,500 uh, $2, range. And that was at one of the, uh, not the suites, the uh, studios, excuse me. So... You're getting a deluxe for a six-night, seven-day stay. Do the math. You're looking around $350, $400 a night. So you're looking at the same cost as a moderate, but you're staying at a deluxe. That's why the price um, is, is – that's why renting DVC points could be um, advantageous to you if you want to get into a deluxe accommodation. The issue becomes now when you want to go into um, higher rooms, let's say uh, the cheapest one would probably be a two-bedroom stu- uh, two suite at Old Key West. And I think for a full week, gosh, now somebody's going to tweet at me that all my numbers are all incorrect. <laughs> it's um, You're looking at 300-something points for the week, I believe, at Old Key West. Uh, I want to say about 3.30 at an average time for a two-bedroom. And if you're looking at that, I forget what the, the cost per point is to rent at this point, but uh, it's, it's rather pricey. You're looking at the $3,000 to $4,000 range for the week yeah. for the accommodations which is not bad if you're looking at a two bedroom with some pull out couches that you could fit nine people in so if you actually had like two families that are willing to split their cost it, it's pretty good uh, when we go down we bring my mother down and she's family and half babysitter at that point if we're looking at six people we're certainly not doing a two bedroom suite at uh, Oak Key West but they get pri- it gets pricey yeah and then um then, of course, you have to rely on somebody else to manage your points, and there's a risk factor in that, too, because they can't just transfer it to your name. you got to trust somebody. Yeah. So I've never done it. I've known people that do it, and they've never had an issue with it. If you go through a reputable, you know, uh, what do they call them? Not a, not a, they're not whatever agent they call Agency or something. Yeah, yeah for something like that. So that was the longest I think I've spoken in a row in, on this podcast <laughs> so far, which might not be the last time I do that. But that those are those kind of the rundowns for, you know, a bit larger families. So let me ask you a question, Phil. Um, should Disney start creating larger rooms for families? So I think that the way they – I think Disney pushes you to DVC if you're, you have a larger family. I think that's what they push that for that you get these larger accommodations um so i think that's the way they do it um and then they have the True. family suites at the values if you want to stay there and even at the i know at the the dvc resorts you can rent those rooms they're like kind of astronomically priced um but i think they offer up those those the family suites and then they have the connecting rooms in the valley so i, I think that's the kind of the way they look at it um but the problem is with the value rooms you can't guarantee a connected room right so that 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 kind of it's kind of tough, but especially when you have smaller kids. Maybe it's not so big of a deal when you have a couple teenagers and yeah. they get their own room. It's across the hall. Who cares? But 
I don't know. They, when we went to Hershey Park uh, for Christmas, um, they do a whole Christmas celebration down there in Pennsylvania. Um, we stayed at a Homewood Suites. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they had, you know, two bedrooms with a center, like, living room and a little kitchenette area. And it, it's, it, it cost us, like, $150 a night. Obviously, it's not Disney prices. But to me, it's like, why couldn't you have something like that? I, I know there's a lot of Hilton Garden Inns around there that have setups like that. Um, it doesn't take up tremendous, uh, tremendously a lot more, uh, a lot more space, construction-wise. Um, I would love Disney to have some other options for, you know, either bigger parties or bigger families. Well, one thing that I think will be interesting is the impact that the new resorts that I guess part of it's open. I don't think it's all open yet at um, Universal that they have those uh, the, the endless summer resorts mm-hmm. where they have family suites that fit, I believe, up to six. And they're only like 150 a night. That's crazy. I mean, and Disney they, can get away with things. but yeah. So uh, to be honest, you know, as my kids get a little older, you know, my, my, my wife's taking my own oldest daughter to, to Universal wants to see the Harry Potter stuff, but as the younger ones get into the age where they can do the Universal stuff, that's something that we've been talking about is maybe make that our base of operations hmm. and then do a couple days over at Disney or something like that, but you know, where you can get on-site now and you get early access to the parks, you get the transportation to the parks, all that sort of stuff, it's a little further away, but you know, for the price, it's pretty you know, what you get, and they're, they're pretty nice accommodations. Um, it's kind of hard to compare that to, you know, what you pay at a value. And by the way, I, I was looking up on touring plans, the price for the family suites. And so according to Disney, they start at 413. Yep. Makes sense. Um, but as you look at most nights are kind of, you know, 428, 449, 500, something like that. And then as you get to like the busy times, so, uh, you know, 4th of July week, they were all at like 650 up to $700 a night. So yeah. it's like, I mean, obviously you can try to play around it. I mean, that's everything where it's, if it's a busy time, it's more expensive, but you can see how it can get pricey to stay at those suites for a week. Yeah. So where, what's, what's going to be interesting moving forward is, you know, once Disney world opens back up, I don't see how they can hold these ridiculous costs, these rack rates. I mean, I don't think the rack rates are going to go down. I just think it's going to be an endless supply of, like, um, discounts, discounts and, packages and, stuff and stuff like, like that, that, for sure. Where they're going to hide the cost of it, like, stay here for seven for seven days, and the rack rate stays the same, but you get free tickets. Well, you just, you know, you just say yeah. $2,500. I think that's what they'll do, too. Like and, and same thing with not discounting the tickets, but they'll bury the savings in a, in a package where, like you said, it's – it's effectively getting tickets for free or whatever. But. So the, if I remember correctly, they invented free dining after 9-11. That was a way to get everybody back to the parks. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the world events right now are something that's drastically more impactful than 9-11 at this point. Um, Disney's very good at marketing. Um, and not to take such a morbid turn to things, but in order to kickstart their business in 2021, 2022... Um, you might see a variety of different options to get people back in there and stay right there. So, um, you know, for, for those that are planning a trip in the next year, you might want to wait a year more, not just for savings, but for, you know, peace of mind and something like that. But, uh, yeah, Disney's super expensive. Everybody knows that. And, uh, (laughs) I, I, I don't know how many different podcasts you can go any podcast, whether it's the, you know, the, the Diz people, the touring plans people, or Disney food blog people, um, they're always talking about increased prices. I, I we, everybody's always says, how do, how do they keep, keep getting pe- uh, the prices to go up and stay yeah. full? I, I think they hit their peak and 
I don't, I'll make the bold prediction that you're going to start seeing stuff uh, come down once everything's back to normal, that type of thing. Um, I, I, we, we hit the end of our topics. We're relatively short. Typically, we had about another 10 minutes on here. Um, anything that we left out, Phil, that you can think of? No, just the I, one other topic I was going to talk about on Disney Plus, and maybe we'll pick it up at a, a future episode or sure. a special episode or something like that, is that, and that a lot of people have been talking about, is that the final season of Clone Wars is oh, out yes. now on Disney Plus. Um, and it's been, the last few episodes have been pretty, if you're into that, have been pretty incredible. Um, they have the final episode coming out on Monday for, you know, May the 4th. Um, and so we'll see how it all, all winds up. But it's been, the last few episodes have been pretty neat because they basically intertwined with episode three, the mm-hmm. movie. And you're actually getting to see some scenes from like a diff, that like literally shot for shot, but from a different point of view. And I've, so how I've they, seen the memes online with, with it. Yeah. it. It's really neat. I, so it makes me like, I've never watched it, not for any particular reason, but yeah. um, I, I, I've, I've tried watching it a bunch of times and I've just, the idea of starting a, Six, seven, eight season marathon of shows um, has always been kind of tough. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of itching to get into. I it. do know that Disney put out um, like a guy that kind of hears the twenty episodes or whatever. I've seen that, of, but that's that's yeah, cheating. Yeah. You got to watch all yeah. of them. In, in my point, but ever since that they actually put him on somewhere where I can stream them reliably, I think that's yeah. going to be the key for me getting getting on there. But yeah, I've heard it's awesome. Uh, maybe we'll have a special episode. With you talking about the uh, the yeah. Clone Wars in the future, as as you know, with with appropriate amount of time for spoilers to to, to happen. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. of course. Um, at this point of the show, I want to remind everybody that you know we're we're a small show, we're fledgling. So anything that you can do to help spread the the word. So if you can email everybody, tweet everybody, uh, download the shows, rate us on iTunes. We're available on any any platform that you can think of. Um, we're trying to build our listenership up. Um, and we're trying not to go on every single message board everywhere and kind of shill our platform because a lot of people fla- f- uh, frown upon that. So if we could build this organically, we'd appreciate it. So share us, like us, uh, subscribe and download and rate and all the other things that people beg for their content to get out there. If you like us, please share the please share the love with us. You can again, you can reach me. I'm Jason Dodge at jdodge80 on Twitter, and I'm uh, the Max Rebo IV from Max Rebo Four for the fourth Star Wars movie that the Max Rebo is in on Twitter. And we do also have, and we'll start be using it hopefully this week, uh, a Twitter account, DBC Pod, at DBC Pod on Twitter. So uh, actually, it's at Pod DBC because the DBC Pod was taken. So uh, we'll have that in the show notes, but at Pod DBC on Twitter, and we'll tweet out new episodes and, and kind of any news. And, and um, anytime you want to feel like you want us to talk about something, you found something that people are talking about that maybe we didn't find somewhere, please uh, share it with us there, and we'll, we'll include it on the show for sure. Um, there's a lot of other things that we're thinking about doing. Uh, we, ho- I, we hope to plan uh, – we hope to plan. We hope on bringing other um, people that are on different podcasts and shows and message boards that are prominent, um, like our last episode with Ryan Teets, to kind of share his thoughts and opinions on the news that is going around today. So keep an eye on for that. But uh, until then, thank you for watching, everybody, and uh, have a great week. Bye, y'all.